Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. So, Boston fans, how y'all feeling this morning? Did you wake up feeling, for instance, like you got completely blindsided last night? It's because you did. And if you're wondering what happened, the answer is the Milwaukee Bucks happened. Giannis just happened. Drew just happened. The Milwaukee bleeping Bucks defending world champs just happened. Now, yes, I did go in on them. I gave them some after losing to Al Horford's time machine in game four. And they deserved it, honestly. But holy crap, these dudes, these dudes last night, the champs were in the building last night, and they aren't going to lose. You're going to have to beat them. You're not going to outpoint the defending champs. Do not let it go to the scorecards when you're going up against the defending champs. You have to knock them the hell out in order to rip that belt. The Bucks may have napped it out at the worst possible time in Game 4, but they woke the hell up when they absolutely had to last night in Game 5. I mean, it is a cliche, one of the worst kinds, but that was some championship bleep right there. Some serious heart and grit and stones, and they clutched the hell up because that game effectively was over. It was. The Celtics had a 14-point lead in the fourth. That game was over because Al Horford was doing stuff like this. Two-possession game. Boston can add to it. Here is Brown between the legs. No, Horford! The follow! Yeah, that bench loves this one. Nobody gets a body on Al Horford, and he throws it down. Pulling some of that time machine bullcrap again. My man strapped on a jetpack for that putback. I mean, that wasn't just about him being in the paint and elevating. He was nowhere near the paint when he started running. He was back by the three-point line. He was practically standing outside the old hilltop steakhouse on Route 1. And then threw it down with authority. Shook the rim. Damn near tore the garden apart on that play. Milwaukee's offense at that point had ground to a halt. Boston was making all the important plays. They had a 3-2 series lead right there in their hands. But then, then the Bucks remembered. Remembered they're the defending champs. And in order to kill them, you do have to drive a stake right through them. And these zombies were not dead yet. Not dead, can't quit. Not dead, can't quit. Am I right, Giannis? Portis for three. No good. Matthews the rebound. Giannis is going to put up a three. And he'll hit it. Giannis out of the Kupo. 39 points. He sticks his second three of the game. So that cut Boston's lead to three. But then Bobby Portis missed one of the easier layups you're ever going to see. And at that point, it sure felt like it was not going to happen for the Bucks. You know, good job, good effort. Try to save the season back in Milwaukee. Except the Bucks, again, not dead, can't quit. And they came up with one clutch play after another. There was their defense into transition. Giannis has got a stream of blood coming down from his right eye, right above his eye. Smart lost the handle. Giannis has it. Bucks want to run. 46 seconds. Bobby Portis gives it up. Holiday for three. Down it goes. We are tied. They tie it. 
Jason Tatum hits two free throws to retake that lead. And now we get to the first of three moments that are going to haunt the Celtics fans for a long, long time if they do not win the next two games. I know this is going to hurt you a hell of a lot more than it's going to hurt me, Boston, but we've got to talk this out. We've got to talk through this because you just got trucked. You just got worked. You were cruising to a win, beating the Bucks at their own game, and then they straight ripped your heart out your damn chest. This is some absolute soul-snatching bleep right here. Why don't we start with Giannis? Giannis misses the second free throw, the one that would have tied the game, but then Bobby Portis goes Bobby Portis. If you want to know why this guy is an absolute legend, an icon in Milwaukee, it's because of moments like this. Adekupo is six for nine at the foul line. Missed it. That's it. Portis got it. Portis puts it up. And it goes. And Milwaukee is in front. Two Celtics collide. Portis somehow gets the ball. And then he gets the shot off with four C's on him. I mean, pretty insane, pretty amazing. But then again, that's Bobby Portis. That's what he does. The ball in the game was in the hands of Boston until it wasn't. You collect that rebound, you get fouled, you look to go up three with seconds to go. But instead, they were down one. But that was only the first of three daggers for Boston. Are you ready for number two, Celtics fans? Because Drew Holiday was about to turn the final 11 seconds into a house of horrors for Marcus Smart. There was this. Sends it into Smart. Smart drives baseline. Blocked by Holiday. He comes along with the ball. Bounces it off of Smart out of bounds with 6.3 seconds to go. Highway Roberty. Yeah, something like that. Highway Roberty. Highway Roberty. Eh, we all misspeak. That was some highway robbery. Highway robbery. Anyway, that, friends, that, friends, is why you trade for highway robbery. No, that, friends, is why you trade for Drew Holiday. If you didn't know before last night, now you do. If you didn't understand why the Bucks gave up what they gave up to get this guy, if you did not understand why he was so critical to their title last year and why USA Basketball wanted him on the Olympic team, now you know. Because it was Highway Roberty. No, to get a flawless highway block Roberty. in a situation like that is wild. To get that kind of block and to snatch it out of the air and control it and then throw it off of smart. You know what that is? There's a phrase for that. Highway Roberty. Highway Roberty. That is some transcendent bleep right there. I mean, I don't know how to put this other than to say that is some Highway Roberty. Highway Roberty. He was not done yet either. He was not done making plays or robbing highways. Highway Roberty. Highways. He was not done collecting rent in Marcus Smart's head because he also did this. Boston to inbound. Smart will send it into Horford. Back to Smart. Smart dribbles into the front court, loses the basketball. Holiday comes away with a steal, and the Bucks have stolen one here at TD Garden in Boston, Mass. Holy crap. The very definition of highway robbery. Highway robbery. He didn't just steal the ball. He might have ripped the entire series. 
And I know he just ripped the Defensive Player of the Year award from Marcus Smart. I mean, don't get me wrong. Smart is a great player and the kind of guy that I would love to have on my team. But if you get worked, worked like that on back-to-back possessions in the final 11 seconds at home in a critical playoff game, you have to turn over the DPOY trophy. You have to. Those are the rules, and you have to respect the rules, just like you have to respect the Bucks. Pretty fascinating team, yo. They're a fascinating team in that they can blow a game the way they did, game four, at home, but then do the impossible the way they did last night on the road when they were down 14 and looked like they had no shot. And they're still doing it all without Chris Middleton. Boston had that game. They had a 14-point lead in the fourth. They were at home. They were getting a friendly whistle. And then Milwaukee ripped it from them because that's what champs do. Remember that Horford dunk that I hyped? That was Boston's final bucket of the game. They were outscored 11-2 in the final two minutes. The champs made championship plays in championship moments. I know. Cheesy as hell. Kind of reminds me of Highway Roberty. Highway Roberty. No, but the fact is they made championship plays in championship moments. The Celtics didn't. It's that simple. And if they don't come back and win that series, that game, And those three moments are going to linger and torture them all summer. And probably every summer thereafter. Welcome to Clamp Town. Population one, Marcus Smart. Drew put Marcus in a Derrick Bell jersey and went Operation Shutdown on his head. Getting swatted and then having the ball thrown off of you out of bounds like that must have felt like getting pantsed. In a pool party. And then the same a-hole gets his buddy to tabletop you and push you in the pool. You know, like Giannis goes on all fours. And then Drew pushes you hard in the chest into the pool. You lose balance. You fall over Giannis. Your lady pretends that she doesn't know who you are and didn't see the whole thing play out. And you're stuck in the water pantsless like Donald Duck. Highway Roberty. Some swimming pool Roberty. Highway Roberty. Whether he wanted to be in it or not, Drew entered Marcus in the SmackDown. Rick in Seattle's words, not mine. Previous SmackDown winners can call on June 24th. The future will be great, but today is just as incredible. Meet Nissan's most advanced lineup. If you can't get enough adrenaline, there's the all-new 400 HP Nissan Z. Or, for your off-road adventures, check out the all-terrain Nissan Frontier. If you're more of a spontaneous road trip type of person, then hop in the Nissan Pathfinder. And, for something more electric, there's the stylish Nissan Aria. So, let's enjoy the ride. 2023 RNZ not yet available for purchase. Expected availability this spring for 2023 Z and this fall for 2023 Aria. Tyron Matthew is my guest. Tyron, my guy. It's been a moment or two since you and I last spoke. I've been looking forward to getting caught up with you. How are you doing? How is life for you now that's official that you are a member of the Saints and you are in fact back home? Yeah, man, it's great. It's great to talk to you. Uh, I'm blessed, man. You know, I'm extremely excited to you know, go back home and, you know, really help, you know, put my hand in the pile and, and really help this team win again. Um, you know, just looking forward to it. 
I'll tell you what, I'm not going to lie. It sounds great to hear your voice on this show, Tyron. It's good to have, it is good to have you back. So you signed a three-year deal, and uh-huh. you did so on May 4th, 504 day. I know you have not lived in Louisiana full-time for quite some time, but does it feel like it's a homecoming and that it was meant to be? It definitely feels meant to be, you know. And, uh, you know, I think anytime you you go back home, you know, especially if you've been to Louisiana, New Orleans, man, people love the party, they love to celebrate, and, you know, they'll use any excuse to, you know, throw a parade or throw a second line. So, uh, you know, uh, it's been a nice homecoming, man, to say the least. Um, just going back home, man, um, you know, obviously so many people are proud of me. And, you know, like I said, man, just looking forward to, you know, just creating great memories, you know, for Saints fans, uh, you know, all across the world, but, you know, especially in Louisiana. Tyron Matthew is joining us. You know, you referenced the fact that you had been manifesting this for quite some time. When did you first start thinking about playing for the Saints? Like, when did that manifestation begin, and why does it mean so much to you? Well, you know, I, I probably see, you know, I, I started manifesting this maybe a year or so ago, man. You know, um, and, you know, I've been in this league, you know, you know, almost 10 years now, and, you know, I, 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 I kind of knew that the Chiefs, you know, uh, weren't going to resign me, I think. You know, I kind of knew that they wanted to go in a different direction, and, you know, I was fine with that, you know. And so, um, you know, I didn't really harp on it too much. You know, I just kind of, you know, kept praying. And, you know, obviously, you know, God put it on my heart to to go back home and not just to go home to play football. You know, I think, you know, a big part of this, you know, decision to go home was to, you know, be of an impact, you know, in the community. And, you know, how can I help these kids and how can I help families in need? And so, you know, uh, this is not just a great opportunity for, you know, Tyre Matthew, you know, the Honey Badger. You know, I think the Tyre Matthew Foundation, you know, uh, you know, we have a lot of work to do. And, you know, I think we're looking forward to, to doing it. All right, so I'm going to follow you up right there. We'll go back to football in a minute. But you said, quote, I'm going to be the everyday reminder. You can get better. You can turn your life around, end of quote. It's a pretty powerful statement. What do you want kids to learn from you and to see in you? Well, that, you know, you don't have to be perfect, you know, and that, you know, life is going to, you know, deal all of us, you know, you know, our fair share of, you know, bad cards, right? Like, and so, you know, don't let that get you down. Don't let that stop you. You know, I think we're all going to, you know, you know, run into challenging times and, you know, we're all going to feel like, you know, it's moments that we can't get through the things that we're going through presently, right? And, I think if you could just be of a reminder that things do get better, you know, just stay hopeful and stay prayerful and continue to work at whatever it is your dream is and, you know, never let those things go. And, you know, I think a lot of great things could, could happen for you. And, you know, like I said, I'm hoping that, you know, they could really look at me and not see a guy that's perfect and a guy that has a lot of money, but a guy that, you know, has been through his challenges and, you know, he continues to smile. He continues to give back, you know. So I'm just looking forward to painting that picture, you know, for the kids. Tyron Matthew joining us. I can appreciate that a lot. Listen, we could talk about what a great story this is, what a great homecoming this is, but the fact is you're still playing at a really high level. You were top three in the league last year in coverage success rate. So how much of that, at this point in your career, how much of that dominance is about raw talent and then how much of that is about film study and football IQ and acumen? Well, you know, you know, Rich, I, you know, I struggle with, you know, I have two ACL injuries, you know, and, you know, I'm almost 30 years old, and, you know, I've played in a lot of football games, a lot of big games, too. And so, you know, i got a lot of miles on my body, you know. So, for me, I, I, I think the next level for me is to always take it to the classroom, right, and to, you know, sit down with coaches and, 
you know, really understand what's going on, and not just with our team, but with the other team as well, too. And, you know, I think the last couple of years I've just taken advantage of that. You know, not that I'm the biggest and the fastest guy, you know, on the field, um, but I take my preparation to a new level. Uh, I study a lot, you know, and I think all those things kind of help you anticipate, you know, what play is about to happen, and it kind of helps you get in position to, you know, make a play. So, for me, you know, I'll continue to do that. You know, I'll continue to, to really study, dive into books, and, uh, you know, let that be a weapon for me. Tyron Matthew joining us. I mean, look, you want to come home. You're manifesting that, but there's more to it than that, right? You know, based on what you just said, I know that you know that defense. I know you studied. I know you prepared for it. I know you had thoughts on it. So as you watch the Saints play defense, what kind of thoughts did you have as you studied that defense in particular? Man, um, you know, it's real excitement. You know, especially, you know, because I'm, I'm a football guy, I'm a football fan, and, you know, I understand the game. I understand the, 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 the level of expectation. And, you know, for me, when I watch the Saints play defense, man, I just see a fast unit that hits everything that moves. Um, you know, I, I see uh, real, really uh, a dominant, you know, front seven. You know, I think between the linemen and, and, and the linebackers, you know, I think those are some of the best in the business. They really play as one. Uh, and, and, and that's why I think that those guys were top three, top five, really, in, you know, every major, major, you know, category, you know, the, the past three, four years uh, is because of the front seven. What those guys are able to do from run to pass. And, you know, I think, you know, obviously they, they, they've added some pieces, you know, on the back end um, that are going to really, you know, help the defense. So, uh, you know, I really see a defense that just pops off the screen, man. They, they play fast. They play with excitement, you know, and they don't take nothing from nobody. <laughs> Taron, I feel your energy, man. I can feel your energy yeah. come through the phone. Let me ask you this. Like, there's schematical things, and then there are physical things, and then there are intangible things that are harder to explain. Maybe you can help me with this. For example, Charvarius Ward, who played with you in Kansas City, said that when you guys were teammates, quote, every day I wake up, I look forward to hearing his voice, end of quote. Yeah. I mean, really high praise. Brett Veach said a few years back, quote, you can actually feel him, if that makes sense. He's a guy that you feel. He's that positive. End of quote. I'm kind of curious. Like, did you know or do you know that you have that kind of reach and you impact people in a manner like that? Do you bring that kind of energy every single day and that you can move people like that? And is that something you do intentionally? I think that's really just who I am, Jim. You know, I can remember, you know, 11 years ago when I got suspended from LSU and literally half of the football team was, like, sitting on my stairs at my apartment. And they were all, like, deflated. You know, like they had just lost their best friend, you know, like their dog. And, and I think in that moment right there, I kind of realized that I was much more than just a teammate. I was much more than just, you know, a guy on the team. Like, I was a guy that, you know, people really wanted around. You know what I mean? Like, and I really made people better. And, you know, I think from that moment on, man, I just tried to always be, you know, the, the right kind of leader. And, and I've always tried to lead myself and. You know, um, you know, uh, it, it means a lot to me, too. <laughs> you know, like, this game means a lot to me. It, you know, it's done a lot for my family. You know, I'm, I'm so blessed. And, you know, a lot of people expect, you know, me to be bitter, you know, especially with things, how things ended in Kansas City. And I just can't allow my heart to do that because, you know, this game has done so much for me, you know, from, from certain relationships I've, I've had and, you know, just uh, just everything that this game has brought me. You know, it's hard for me not to – give it back to my teammates and give it back to the community. And so, that, that, like, that's just how I'm built. You know, I, I look forward to seeing my teammates too. You know, as much as those guys, you know, want to hear my voice, you know, I think when I see those guys, 
you know, those guys build me up as well, too, you know? Yeah, I do know. I mean, that's what you want, right? You want to surround yourself with people who make you better, and you want to make other people better. You want to be better, not bitter. You know, Tyron, that point you just made about Kansas City, when you look at how things ended there, I, I hear what you're saying. I believe what you're saying. But you are a prideful person. You gave them everything you had. You put up numbers. Is there any part of you, a small part of you, that was hurt by the fact that they did not try harder to re-sign you? And if so, I get that you're not bitter, but can you pull some motivation from that at all? Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. Um, I'm definitely motivated by it. You know, um, you know, this is not the first time this has happened to me. <laughs> you know, Jim, you know, um, you know, I'm getting ready to play for my 14, you know, so – you know, I think every step of the way, you know, I've always kind of ran into that hurdle, you know, and it, it's always kind of helped, you know, um, you know, relight the fire, right, or, or put the chip back on my shoulder. So, um, like I said, man, I'm looking forward to it, you know, get to, get to go back home and, and play with a great defense that, you know, is really going to allow me to, you know, really play, you know, within my personality. So I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to that, but, you know, um, you would like for everything to be perfect in your life. You would like for everything to, to, to go your way. But, you know, I think it's, it's no real challenge in that, you know. So, um, you know, even though things didn't end, you know, how I wanted it here in the city, you know, I just look forward to, you know, uh, picking up the, the, the page in uh, New Orleans and, you know, keep, keep, keep writing the story, Jim. Tyron, that's so great. Like, there is no challenge in that. There is no real growth in that. So, final thought, you've got guys around the league like – J.J. Watt, who was so happy for you going to the Saints, and he was making that clear. Your jersey is just flying out of the stores. I mean, everything is great. It's a feel-good story. I'm curious, though, like, what do you think it's going to feel like when you run out of the tunnel in the Superdome as a member of the Saints for the very first time? Yeah, man, it's, it's, it's going to be crazy, man. It's going to definitely be emotional. You know, I can just think about, you know, you know, everything we've been through, you know, really as a – you know, as a people, as, as a culture, you know, in particular Louisiana. And, you know, obviously I, I, I think about, you know, the Hurricane Katrina, right, and, you know, how the Superdome was just like the last, you know, shelter really for, for certain people. And, you know, um, uh, it's real, man. You know, I think it, it's a real story. It's real people. And I think just standing in that tunnel, man, understanding that, you know, I was, I'm one of those people, <laughs> you know. Uh, I think it's going to mean a lot to me. Hopefully I don't cry, man, but – I know it's going to be emotional for sure. I'll tell you what, this is what I've missed. I've missed having conversations like this. I've missed having you on the program. It is so good to have you back. Tyron Matthews, safety for the Saints. He is a Super Bowl champ. He is a member of the 2010s All-Decade team and making a triumphant return not only to home, but to the jungle itself. Ty, great to have you back, man. Appreciate you so much. Thank you, Jim. Appreciate it, man. Anytime. Oh, yeah. I love that sound. Always puts a smile on my face. The reason for that is Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources that were once reserved for big business. So upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. Listen, scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility. I know this. Trust this. When this podcast started, you would not believe the types of things that we were selling. Compare that to where we are right now, and I understand that journey. I understand the success is a million milestones on a forever evolving path. And I love how Shopify has the tools and resources that make it easy for any business to succeed from down the street to around the globe. And like ours... 
Shopify powers over millions of businesses from first sale to full scale. More than a store, Shopify grows with you. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. What a great product. Find out for yourself. Go to shopify.com slash Rome, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. You have to try this on. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash R-O-M-E right now. That's shopify.com slash R-O-M-E. So let me wish you all a... Happy NFL schedule release day. For some reason, it's a thing. It's a big thing for some people. Because for some reason, people get all hyped for NFL schedule release day. Football fans getting so hyped on schedule release day. So hyped, they take their shirts off. Hey, I like to get hyped for games. What are you doing? What up, Troy? The greatest hype video ever. Troy Nicholas. I understand why he would get hyped for that. Because it's a game. A Notre Dame game. Of course he got hyped. Yet, there are some people that seem to get as hyped as he did for those games for NFL schedule release day. Like, we already know the opponents. I don't understand what's so. And believe me, I'm not looking to bite the hand that feeds. I love the NFL. I need the NFL. It's part of the way I put food on my table. But I've just, I've never really gotten super caught up and super hyped, much less hyped enough to take my shirt off over the dates and times. You know, like I've never once walked by a calendar and thought, damn, that's some quality entertainment right there. Look at that calendar. Look at that. Friday the 14th. But apparently schedule release day is a big deal. Big enough that people will be on Twitter waiting for early leaks all day long, hitting refresh. And it's happening as we speak. But even that in and of itself was not big enough to upstage the actual biggest story on NFL Twitter this week. Or maybe I should say the biggest bleep storm on Twitter this week. And it all started with a tweet from the Dolphins on Tuesday. A tweet with just two handles one emoji, and a 14-second video. It's incredible how much damage you could do with two handles, one emoji, and 14 seconds of video. At Tua, at Cheetah. At Tua, rocket emoji, at Cheetah. And 14 seconds of vid. That's all it took for the Dolphins to set NFL Twitter on fire this week. And that fire is still somehow going strong. Somehow. You know, kind of like a gigantic brush fire here in SoCal. And the Santa Anas are kicking up furiously. And this inferno is moving so fast. It's so out of control. There's no end in sight. Entire neighborhoods are getting burnt to the ground. People are being told to evacuate immediately and barely getting out of their homes with only their clothes on their back. Like that bad. Because that 14-second video showed Tua throwing a, quote, deep, quote, rocket to Tyreek Hill. Except that throw was neither of those things. It was more like a, quote, shallow, quote, duck that the cheetah had to stop and wait 
and nap it out for. You know, like that rocket emoji is fun. But in this case, a blimp emoji would have been more accurate. Or a hot air balloon. So, of course, Twitter being Twitter, jumped straight to the conclusion that the 2022 Dolphins were already a massive failure. F their schedule release. You might as well just mark down 17 L's in a row. Tua and Cheetah will never work. Tua is a gigantic bust, and Tyreek already regrets his new $120 million contract in Miami. And all of this reaction, I mean, there was plenty of that. I'm not making that up. I'm not pulling that out of my backside. That was the kind of reaction there was all over Twitter. And all that reaction was stemming from one stupid tweet. Like, I understand that whole idea of you get back which you put into the world, you put out a dumb tweet, you get dumb tweets back, that kind of thing. I get it. But people, it's a clip from a May practice. Tua is in shorts and a bucket hat in the video. It's just supposed to be a little off-season hype, little energy, little buzz, create a little interest. You know, for the big new superstar and the young developing QB. That was not footage from Wild Card Weekend. I mean, sure, they could have picked a better clip to showcase. Or maybe they didn't have a better clip. Maybe that was their best clip, which is a whole different problem. I don't know. Like, maybe you pick one where Tyreek doesn't have to stop and wait and check his watch and tie his shoes and take a nap. And have a meal before finally settling under that punt that Tua threw to him. You know, or maybe you pick a video where Tua doesn't throw a fluttering duck. Typically, these are not the kind of things that you want to accentuate at all. Let alone put in super slow-mo. Like, I get that. I do. But it's also slow-mo of a throw during a May practice. Like, who cares, man? Get a freaking grip, everybody. Get a grip. I know you've got nothing better to do than overreact and wait for today's whatever moment it is. But it's gotten so out of control on social, this case, that even Kurt Warner had to jump in and toss Tua a life raft. Kurt said, quote, I played many years of professional football, and as much as I hate to admit it, I underthrew deep passes a number of times in practice. There, I said it. Hashtag, good to get that off my chest. I mean, people, we are talking about practice. We're talking about practice. Not a game. Not a game. We're talking about practice. Not the game Tua goes out there and dies for. Practice. I mean, how how silly is that? Not Not the game that Tua goes out there and dies for. Practice. People are taking this so seriously that they actually think that the Dolphins fired somebody over that tweet. Some genius uh, pulled up a job listing for Dolphins video producer, and everybody was like, damn straight. That makes perfect sense. Of course, whoever posted that video got broken off immediately. Fire them. Give him the bleeping chair, for Christ's sakes. Yeah, well, it took the crack staff behind the glass. My crack staff. 
behind my glass five seconds to figure out that listing was a week old. So no, that listing has got nothing to do with that stupid tweet. Only in the deranged minds of the psychos on Twitter would it be possible for somebody to actually lose their job over that stupid tweet. I'm not saying that stupid tweet won't get you fired. I'm saying that stupid tweet didn't get that guy fired. Not as far as I can tell. The whole thing makes about as much sense to me as going all Troy Nicholas for the schedule release itself. Although I will say this. If I was Tua, if I were Tua, I would not be all that thrilled with my own social media department right about now. Like, I don't know. As an analogy, imagine CBS tweeting a slow motion clip of me choking on my 11 o'clock almonds or my athletic greens. And them just going like emoji and Jim spitting fire takes. Fire emojis. Straight fire. Or me looking confused. Well, Alvy is army crawling across the studio, yelling at me that we're back on the air. Dude, dude, can you not hear me? Can you not hear me? Yeah, I'd be a little confused. I mean, if CBS did me like that, I'd be a little confused. You know, maybe you don't run your quarterback under the bus. Dolphins social media team. It's not like this guy doesn't already have enough of a hill that he has to climb in Miami. Now the guy actually has some weapons and a dynamic offensive head coach. It would be great if his own social media department can fall in line and have his back as well. Somebody in the social media department either has a serious axe to grind or it's just not that good at their job or both because posting that video was not a good idea. It wasn't nearly as bad of an idea as everybody on Twitter made it out to be, but it was not a good idea. But man, they couldn't wait to get it out there. They were hyped. They were hyped. Like, yo, look at Dan Marino out there. He got this duck fluttering up there. Are you craving some protein after a good workout? Do not make a shake or eat a bar. Grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender and made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And it goes wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Or Trapper, what's your beef? Talking to Ryan Day. So, go back to the draft. You had two more guys selected in the top 11 picks. You had six players taken overall. You had five more getting shots with teams after the draft. I'm curious, what's it mean to you on a personal level when you get to see so many guys get a chance to live out that NFL dream? Well, it's fulfilling to, to be uh, with the recruits from, from really – now we start them almost their sophomore year, you know, and we're recruiting guys who are 15 years old. I said, we start getting to 14 year olds. I'm out, you know, but uh, we're recruiting them at a young age and, and then to see them go through the process of their high school career and, and then, um, you know, really selling them on the idea that they're going to develop at Ohio state uh, on the field, off the field. 
across the board and then see them have an opportunity to have a really good career at Ohio State but then go on to chase their dreams of playing in the NFL. That's the most rewarding thing we do as coaches. Talking to Ryan Day. So in terms of that, Ryan, I had Chris Olave on the show before the draft, and he was telling the story of how he met you when you were at his high school to see a different recruit. I mean, it's not a totally uncommon thing, but what do you remember seeing, or what do you remember about seeing Olave for the first time, and then what did you see to let you know that he might be special? You know, it's just like anything else in life. When, when you when you ask a lot of people, and, and you have so many people coming up to you and explaining to you that uh, you know this is a special young man, he. He didn't play his junior year, so he didn't have any film out there. But so many people were just ranting and raving about who he was as a person, his athletic ability, and even the quarterback that we were recruiting at the time, Jack Tuttle, was uh, just really selling him hard. And then had an opportunity to watch him do a few things. And then uh, his first few games, we went out to watch him uh, play live. And, and you could just see a multiple-sport athlete, somebody who was just dynamic in space, uh, really strong. You know, he's not very big, but – but uh, but was strong with his hands and strong with his play. And then just his work ethic and his, his total makeup, uh, you could tell he was going to be a very good player. Ohio State head football coach Ryan Day is joining us. So when you look to the upcoming season, you've got C.J. Stroud, who was top five in the country in passing yards and TDs. He threw for nearly 600 yards in the Rose Bowl, and all of that was in his first year as a starter. When you look back on last season, what sticks out to you the most about the way he showed up? Yeah, boy, I, you know, it was almost like, um, you know, when you, when you look at the beginning of the year, he had not thrown one college football pass before. And we started off with the game on the road at Minnesota. Um, and there were times during that game where it was a little dicey. And then we came back and played Oregon at home um, and, and lost the game. But, uh, you know, he, he showed things in that game that were exciting for his future. Um, and certainly, you know, the, the reason we lost that game was not because of C.J. Stroud, but uh, but, you know, he had to take on some tough situations based on how that game played out. And then as, as time went on, um, you know, he just grew. His confidence grew, and, and he built uh, to the point where he was playing some of his best football at the end of the season. And, and the way he played in that Rose Bowl, we talked about going into that game. That was an idea, to, you know, really uh, the idea of that was to build momentum going into the offseason. I think we did that. And I think, um, you know, he's got a lot of confidence going into the season. We're talking to Ryan Day. I'm glad you brought that up. I was going to say, there's already talk about him being the first pick in next year's draft. I'm curious, what's your reaction when you hear that? And then what kind of expectations do you have for him in his second year as starter? Well, I, I think that there's um, you know, a lot of people who, you know, they, they, they put out different things and they make their projections and, and that's all part of their job. And um, I think, you know, we all have to understand that. And certainly CJ has to understand that, but the whole focus for him has got to be on his development. And, um, none of that stuff matters if he doesn't continue to develop. You know, where he was at at this point last year and where he is right now are two different places, but uh, it's only been a year. And so the idea for him is to have a great season, but but the goal for him in, in the long term is to have a great career in the NFL. So the focus has to be on development. Um, it can't be just about trying to get to the NFL. Um, that, that opportunity is going to come for him. So every day he's just got to maximize each day and try to make it great and continue to focus on that development. Talking to Ryan Day. So, Ryan, as many people know, you played quarterback at UNH under Chip Kelly. But listen, there are plenty of guys who played the position but can't necessarily coach the position or not at a very high level. You seem to have a really, really strong connection with quarterbacks, both in the way you recruit them and in player development, something you've mentioned several times this morning. In your mind, what does it take to be a great quarterback? Like, what are the qualities that you're looking for? <laughs> well, 
when, when you don't have a lot of athletic ability or blessed with a great speed or arm strength or anything like that, you kind of have to figure out a way to, um, you know, find different angles to be successful. So, um, you know, I, I think that that's what makes really good quarterbacks is all of those type of things. You know, God gave us a certain level of talent. And we have to acquire skill and discipline in our lives. And so, you know, <clears throat> how quickly can we uh, take the talent that God's given us, max it, um, you know, mix it up with great skill, which is the ability to play the position, you know, how you throw the ball, um, you know, your footwork, all the things that come with the technical and fundamental part of it, but also the discipline of studying film, of understanding how teams are trying to attack you, of making sure you stay humble when things are going well, um, of, you know, not panicking when something doesn't go your way, um, the discipline of making sure you're going to bed early at night and taking care of your body. I mean, all those things come into play here. And I think it does certainly help when, um, when you play the position. Um, and when you're calling plays and, and when you're meeting with the quarterbacks, you know, you feel like you're, uh, when you're calling the plays, you're, you're talking to the quarterback. And it's a very quarterback-friendly offense, and that probably plays into it a little bit. Oh, I was dead head football coach Ryan Day joining me for a few more moments. Ryan, I'm picking my spots carefully. There's so many things I want to talk to you about. But, like, you're recruiting so well and at such a high level. I'm curious, when you're recruiting elite talent and then that talent sees the depth chart full of future NFL players and they know they're not, that you're not going to stop recruiting elite talent at that position, how do the recruits typically respond and what is your message to them in that regard? Well, first off, if, if, if you want to be great, you have to put yourself in a situation to be challenged and uh, embrace productive discomfort every day. And, you know, if you can make it Ohio state, you can make it anywhere. And so you, if, if your goal is to play in the NFL, you're going to have a, a locker room that's going to be very, very talented. And so every day you're going to be lining up and you're going to be competing not only in your room, but across the ball from somebody who's also has the same goal in mind. And if you're very, very competitive and that's what you want, this is the environment for you that combined with, you know, a culture and environment here where, we take really good care of our players. And, um, you know, it's not just what you can do on the field. There's more to it than that. It's, it's, it truly is a family environment. You can't just say that. It has to really be that way. And that's we take a lot of pride in that here. But it's also extremely competitive. And for those who understand that, they jump in. And, you know, for other guys, it, there's other places for them, and, and we understand that. But we want to have guys in the program that are highly, highly competitive and have a high focus on, you know, the family atmosphere. What an amazing line you just had that you want guys who embrace productive discomfort every single day. I love that. Ryan Day is joining us. Ryan, I want to ask you about something very sad, but I want to ask you about one of your former players, Dwayne Haskins, who tragically died last month. When you think of Dwayne, what are your first thoughts and memories that come to mind, if I could ask? Yeah, no, um, you know, very, very sad situation, a very confusing situation, um, really a tragedy. Um, but you know, I, I think of, first off, here at Ohio State, um, you know, he, when I, when I came in, he was really the one that kind of kick-started the, the quarterback kind of wide receiver passing game that we've, um, you know, been fortunate to be around here over the last, you know, five to six years. Um, and he brought a lot to that. And I think, um, you know, that 2018 season was a great season uh, for Ohio State, but just a special season uh, for him. Uh, but but more most importantly, I just I, I just remember somebody with an unbelievable smile who always took time, uh, especially with younger kids. I just remember having my kids here, and he would spend 45 minutes playing catch. And um, there's a lot of stories of like that of, of those type of things. He he always wanted to make sure that others were okay, and I think that that was one of the things he left a legacy behind here at Ohio State.
Mm. Ryan Day, my guest. Ryan, one last thought about something that you've done, you and your wife, Christina, off the field. Nearly three, three years ago, you both created the Christina and Ryan Day Fund for Pediatric and Adolescent Mental Wellness. I know that this is a cause that is very, very close to both your hearts, and you're looking to destigmatize the issues around mental health. What would you say to somebody listening right now who maybe is having a hard time and having a hard time asking for help? I think that there's a, there's a lot of stigmas attached to this area, um, and there, there's there's many different layers. And I just like physical health. There's different afflictions, and there's different levels of um, good health and bad health. But the stigma um, that we're trying to break the most is that talking about these types of things, um, you know, having a conversation and saying that, you know, I, I have thought about these different things, or I am struggling in these areas. Um, I think a lot of people have um, a preconceived notion that talking about these things is a trigger or they're afraid to talk about, um, but they're, they're actually really healthy, and the studies show that it's a good thing to do. And uh, being able to show your emotions and share your emotions um, brings strength. And, you know, as we work through difficult times, we build more strength just like we do with our bodies. And there's physical health and mental health. And the, the thing I try to use with my players all the time is, if you have a sprained ankle, you know what the protocol is. You go get treatment, you tape up your ankle, and uh, you get better. If you don't, you're going to have a lot more problems down the road. It, it's very similar with mental health, and uh, it's not as easy, but it's something that we try to talk about here. What a great point. So quick follow. The thing is, though, we don't always know the protocol, right? You may know the protocol for a sprained ankle, but we don't really know necessarily the protocol for mental health. So what do you do? You just ask for help? Well, you have to first off you know, surround yourself with um, – you know, people who, who care about you. You have to have the resources. And, and sometimes you need um, professionals that you can talk to. And, and again, not all of us have those resources, but many of us can, where you find a, a psychologist or someone that you can turn to uh, to, to ask for help. Um, but we also need to make sure that, you know, we surround ourselves with people that we can be honest with, to have conversations and to be uh, truth tellers in our life so that if they see something in us, they can get us help. But typically, we have to go to the professionals and make sure we're using those resources. And what a great conversation right there. He is the head football coach at The Ohio State University. I ran down all the numbers, 34-4 and four overall, 23-1 and one against the Big Ten. Season opener is Notre Dame, September 2nd. Ryan Day making his first appearance on the program. Ryan, I really, really appreciate you. I appreciate that conversation. I appreciate you making time for it. That was great. Thanks so much. Yeah, much, much respect. Anytime. If you're a parent, you know this. Kids are amazing, but they are expensive. However, with Fabric, protecting your family with term life insurance is surprisingly affordable. Fabric was built specifically for parents to help you manage your family's financial future like a parenting pro, stress-free. And Fabric's new lower prices mean significant savings over other providers with great policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. And everything is on your schedule with Fabric because it's all online. Less than 10 minutes to apply, and you can be offered coverage instantly with no health exam required. Then just personalize your quote to fit your family's needs, and you will be set with high-quality, affordable protection for your entire family. There is no risk to apply today. Fabric has a 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can cancel at any time. So protect your family with term life insurance right now in just 10 minutes. Apply today at 
meatfabric.com slash Rome. That's meatfabric.com slash R-O-M-E to start protecting your family right now. M-E-E-T, fabric.com slash Rome. Fabric insurance agency policies issued by Vantis Life. Not available in New York and Montana. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. Let's go to Northern California, Scott. What's going on, Scott? How are you? Hello, Jim. You know, I know I'm a bit late to the party, but after reflecting on that incredible race, it became quite clear to me there's a unique similarity to the smack-off at the Derby. 20 going to the gate, and 21 crosses the finish line first. I'm biting, I'm nipping, I'm biting and I'm nipping. Now, memo to Brad and Leff. I know both of you saw what happened on Saturday, and come June 24th, you'll both be feeling a bit of deja vu. Because an 80 to 1 gets an invite to the smack-off, I'm biting, I'm nipping, I'm biting, I'm nipping. Now, Jim, I've got some breaking news here. I recently came across Brad and Left's rejected audition to America's Got Talent. And I know magicians never, and I mean ever, reveal their secrets. But let's face it, folks, we all saw that trick in Ace Ventura. Einhorn is Finkel. Finkel is Einhorn. I'm biting, I'm nipping, I'm biting, I'm nipping. Wall, I've got readable speed, and Wall, Jim going home after the judge released him and leaving his socks on. Good day to you, Jim. <laughs> Scott Norcal. All right, my man. You're biting and you're nipping and you're biting and you're nipping. In time, I would say to you, that creates an opportunity for somebody else. It is smack-off season. Let's go to the phones. I said it. Let's go to the phones. We go to Los Angeles. Matt in L.A. What's up, Matt? Romeo, thanks for the vibe. I couldn't help but chuckle yesterday when I heard that envious call from the D-list extra slash Starbucks barista slash studio apartment couch-dwelling tool from Hollywood. High-pitch Eric. Cat food Mark. Putting his 10-15 State University diploma to use by making 75 bucks a day for a non-speaking passerby cameo in Dr. Strange. No surprise that Marky Mark in Bollywood RSVP to the smack offer a chance to get his payment on that ever-elusive SAG card he's still chasing after a decade in SoCal. How Philly of him. And speaking of Philly, I want to let Joel Embiid know that... Hey, Matt, sorry about that, bro. Marquez Valdez-Scantling joins us. Marquez, good to have you back. How are you? Good, how are you? Good, good, dude. So you and I caught up briefly on Radio Row before the Super Bowl, so bring me up to date. How's your life going right now, and what's it feel like to be a member of the Chiefs? Uh, it's, it's good. Yeah, uh, it's, it's going good, man. Um, obviously, uh, in a new, new environment, new team, you know, excited to be here. Uh, I think I'm in a good opportunity to go out and and showcase my ability and uh, take it to the next level. And, um, you know, I'm in a, a good home now. You know, I think opportunity is really a key word right here because when you look at free agency, it seems to me you had some really good opportunities and some really good options. For instance, you could stay in Green Bay, compete for a ring. New Orleans was coming pretty hard. And, of course, Kansas City is where you are. So how did you approach the entire process? <laughs> and what was it about Kansas City that made you feel like that was the place for you? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously uh, the opportunity um, within itself, 
um, to go out and, um, you know, be a, a great playmaker. You know, obviously I had that opportunity anywhere I went, um, but I think this one was a, a better fit for me. Um, some of the things that I do offensively was, uh, you know, appealing to me. And obviously, you know, a quarterback like Pat, you know, is going to be here, you know, for a, a long time. Um, that also was appealing. Um, so I think, you know, those, you know, few things and then obviously, you know, getting here and meeting everybody and it seemed like a, a good fit. It seemed like home. We're talking to Marquez Valdez-Scantling. You know, on top of that, Patrick Mahomes is going to be there for a while. He's playing in his prime. What about, for instance, having a head coach like Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy? You know these guys are going to find a way, and there's a lot of playmakers, and especially in that receiver room that you're in now. But you know guys like that are going to find a way to get the ball in the hands of their playmakers. Did that factor into your decision? I would imagine so. Yeah, 100%. You know, obviously, um, Coach Reid's been doing this for a long time, and EB is one of the best offensive coaches that you can uh, have around. So between those two guys, um, their their resume speaks for themselves of what they've been able to do for, for guys. And, you know, obviously competing for a championship is a huge thing as well. You know, they've been to, you know, a couple of them. And um, I think that was just a huge factor into, you know, my decision-making. So you and I have talked about your journey in the past. It has not been easy, in fact, at any step of the way. What's it mean to you then to get that second contract, to get that new contract and be entering your fifth year in the NFL? How much pride is there in that fact? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, getting to this point, yeah, was a lot of uh, self-motivation and, uh, you know, wanting myself to be the best version of myself every single day and, you know, proving myself right. You know, not really about proving anybody else wrong. And, uh, you know, obviously getting to, you know, going into my fifth year, my second contract, uh, it's just a huge accomplishment for me. You know, obviously, you know, nothing would be possible without God. And I thank, you know, him every day for it. And I'm just excited about it. Marquez Valdez-Scantling joining us. You know, you and I have talked about this, and I think a lot of football fans know your story. But the fact was you were cut from your freshman team when you were in high school. At that point, I'm curious, like, did you know, like, I'm going to grow into this, and I'll need my time, and I'll be fine, and one day I'll get that second NFL contract? Or were you thinking, man, i got to find a way to make this high school football team? No, nah, I was ready to quit, um, actually, because um, I was a baseball player first, and that was my first sport. So I was just like, I'm just going to go focus on baseball. Um, and my dad uh, sat me down in the in the hallway of my uh, of my house and crying like, "No, nah, I don't want to play anymore. Like, uh, I'm done with this." And he just kind of said, "You know, use that same uh, anger and um, use it as motivation." And that kind of just flipped it around and took football to the the next step for me. Huh. So I think if Kansas City fans and you know that they love that team, they know their sport, and they've already got a pretty good idea of what they're getting in you, they know they're going to get a deep threat, they know they're going to get a guy who's professional and motivated, but for those who don't know, exactly what should the Chiefs fans know about you as a player and a person and the guy that's coming to their town and their team? Yeah, I mean, obviously I love football, you know, and uh, I'm going to be a competitor. You know, I'm going to get the best version of myself every single day. You know, and I love this game. Um, and I love to win. So, you know, those things, uh, you can't really ask for a better, better player on the field when you, when you, you get those things uh, behind you. So. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, my guest. So, of course, you played alongside Devontae Adams in Green Bay. Now you're going to play against him twice a year in the AFC West. What do you think that's going to feel like? And then how hyped are you to come to a division that is loaded with this kind of talent? Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, Devontae was, you know, uh, a great you know, person to, to learn behind, not even just a teammate, but just a great person. You know, he taught me stuff off the field, on the field. Um, you know, we still talk all the time. I'm super excited to, you know, see him uh, twice a year and, and play against him and watch him on the other side of the field. Um, you know, probably still do our handshake pregame that we had, did every game uh, for the last few years. 
So, you know, he's just a, a great friend of mine, and I'm, I'm super excited. And obviously this division is, is crazy. You know, everybody had to load up to come beat the Chiefs. So I'm just excited for that, that competition every day. All right, so the schedule is going to be released tonight. When you get the schedule personally, like what are the things that you first look for? Are you looking to see who the opener is against? Are you looking for primetime games? Are you looking to find out when the bye week is? Like what do you look for when you see the schedule release? Uh, how many cold games we have. Right. The first thing you look for. <laughs> yeah, obviously playing in Green Bay for the last four years. Um, you always look at the, the back end of the schedule because uh, those are the, the colder games and see who's coming in to play you guys and at home and who's a warm weather team coming in to, to play out in the Midwest. Um, so kind of the, the same thing. Dude, in terms of cold weather, like I, we have a home in northern Wisconsin, not that I've been there in the wintertime, but I've been to Kansas City for the AFC Championship game. I've been in cold weather environments. Like is cold weather cold weather or is there a different types of cold weather, like where it's really heavy and really bitter and it's different in some places than other? Or is cold just cold? Uh, I mean, cold is cold, but it's definitely some places that are a lot more colder. Obviously, teams in the Midwest get probably the worst. Um, you know, in Buffalo, probably the the two worst areas to <laughs> bless me to uh, to play in. Um, no, but bless you, dude. Thank you. Um, but obviously, uh, you know, cold is cold. So you know, once you uh, you play in those West Coast teams or those down south teams, they got to come up here and play in you know that ten, twenty, thirty degree weather. You know, it's a, it's a huge difference and usually an advantage to the the home team. We are talking to Marquez Valdez Scantling for a couple of more moments. I saw you tweet the other day, quote, I have the two best dogs on the planet. Argue with Wall, not me. End of quote. It's a great tweet. Break it down for me. What is the case for your two dogs as the best dogs in the world? Well, yeah, I mean, I got a, a Husky and a Pomsky. Um, my Husky, he's uh, about to be one year old this uh, next month, actually. And I have a, my Pomsky. He's going to be uh, five this year in October. Um, and I just have the best dogs. Like, they don't bark. Um, they don't really do anything. Uh, they just kind of play with each other. Um, they're just the greatest dogs ever. You know, you can follow them at Ace and Spade underscore 11 on Instagram, and you can see all their, their greatness. I love it. And on top of that, I would imagine they don't judge. They don't hate. They don't talk back. They love you unconditionally, right? They're, they're awesome the like that. So in addition to co-founding your clothing line, you're also going to work with Memo.me. Lay it out for me. What exactly is that all about? What is Memo.me? Yeah, it's a platform where uh, fans can go out and uh, get personalized videos from me, you know, birthdays, holidays, graduations, you know, even even the sad stuff like a funeral or a death in the family, um, you know, anything that, you know, you can reach out and, you know, ask me to record a video for you uh, be of me and talking to your family or talking to your friends or talking to whoever you need me to talk to. Um, and it's just a, a great opportunity for fans to engage with me. All right, so what you got here is a great opportunity with the Chiefs. You have the two best dogs on the planet, and yep. the fans have an opportunity to engage directly with you on Memo.me. Marquez, things are coming together, my man. It's all good, right? Yeah, it's all, all great. Glory Listen. to God. Good night now!